Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. We're in our, our third week of this series that we're calling Run With Endurance. Run With Endurance. And we're taking it out of Hebrews 12. And the whole idea behind it is that God has designed us to be able to run this race of life, the race of faith, the life of faith, with endurance, not to burn out, not to be destroyed, not to run on empty the entire time. How many of you ever feel like maybe you're running on empty a little bit, right? And if you have kids, your hands should definitely be in the air. But I have news for you that what's so beautiful about the word of God is that he has given us such a beautiful way in which we can run this race of life, we can live this race of life, and we can actually win, we can conquer it. We won't let it defeat us, and it won't, it won't have its, uh, destroy us in any way, but we can actually live this and we can win. The Bible talks about running the race so that you can win, and the prize that awaits us, which the prize is Jesus and heaven and relationship with him, which is a pretty good prize. I think that that's, that's a pretty good prize. I get really excited about that. Uh, last couple weeks, we've, uh, we've had a great time. Ellie kicked it off the first week talking about weights and laying down the weights that we carry and that we pick up. And last week, I talked about what this race is, that the race is the life of faith, that that's the race that God has for us to run. And, uh, and we talked about this idea that in this race, there's two different races you can run. You can either run your race, which leads to burnout and exhaustion, or you can run God's race. But even more importantly is if we choose to run God's race, the life of faith, that we have to do it his way. Because if we don't run God's race, God's way, we will also burn out. So when we look at this, it's really important for us to understand that it is God's way is the best way, and we need to really come alongside that. Now, um, as I was thinking through this today, I was reminded that there are inventions and things that people put together that are a way of doing things, but they're not necessarily the best way of doing things. How many of you know that, and I'm not offending anybody here, I'm trying not to, rednecks have their own inventions from everybody else? <laughs> okay, if you, if you relate with this, or if any of these inventions are yours, I really apologize <laughs> that these are the inventions that you've made. Uh, but let me, show you a few, let me show you a few of these this morning. Okay, redneck cell phone holder. It works. It might not be the best way, right? How about the next one? Brake light. <laughs> Remember to turn it on when you hit the brakes, right? Uh, next one. Oh, redneck shelves. It is a way of doing things. Might not be the best way. Okay, next one. Now, this one I actually really want to try. Just make sure... Just make sure that your rake is clean. But this actually looks amazing. I want, I want to give it a whirl. Okay, next one. Okay, yes. That is disgusting. If you've ever done one of these, I have, I have, we'll talk, I have words. Next one. Oh yeah, hot tub. 
What could go wrong? Nothing could go wrong. Okay, another version of a hot tub. <laughs> okay, you get bubbles, but I, that's awful small. I'm just, that's, okay. And then is there another one? Okay, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sprinkler, two liter bottle, poke the holes, sprinkler. Anybody who's ever used that is like, I'm not admitting that now. I'm never admitting that I've done that. And do we have any more? I think that might be the end. That's the end, okay, all right. How many of you know there's a way to do things or there's God's way of doing things? We want to be people that do things God's way. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, last week, we, we, I, I set it up and said that we were going to get very practical this week uh, in some of these ways that God has actually laid out for us to be able to run this race. And we will get to that. But today, I have another message that God put in my heart. So I'm going to call this part 1.5 today. <laughs> so, so today is, is part 1.5. And, and I'm just going to tell you right now, next week is actually going to be part 1.75. <laughs> because um, there is no way that I can get through everything that I prepared. So anyway, we're, we're just going to jump in and see how far we get this morning. I want to read text uh, for us today. I, we're going back to Hebrews 12, and we're going to pick it up in verse 5 today. We're going to read verses 5 through 11, and then uh, we'll jump in here. Verse 5 says this, And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, My children, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best that they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Father, as we turn to the word today, I pray that you would be here, that you would open our eyes, open our ears and hearts to receive what you have to say. And Lord, I pray that you would just anoint my mouth. Lord, I pray that these would be your words that would come out. Lord, I pray that you would speak to your people what you want this morning. Jesus, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. You are so good. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes, you can call this, uh, you can title this message, Good Pain, Good Pain. How many of you have ever worked out before? And that's the first test. How many of you have ever worked out before? <laughs> yeah, a few, a few of the few faithful. Awesome. Uh, how many of you know when you're working out, uh, there's good pain and there's bad pain, yeah. right? Uh, we've all experienced bad pain uh, when we do something wrong and, and mess ourselves up or tweak our back or whatever it is, and, and it's not good. It actually hurts our body. But how many of you also know that when you get done with a workout sometimes, your, your muscles, especially the next day when you try to get out of bed, your muscles are like screaming, but it's, it's good pain. 
because you've actually stretched them. You've, you've enforced them. You've worked them out and caused them to grow. This is what I've been told by many people who work out. <laughs> so I'm choosing to believe them. Um, but good pain, good pain. When God disciplines us in our life, and as we talk about discipline today, discipline brings good pain to our life. Because there are things that God does in us and a work in us that even though it seems painful in the moment, and even though it can seem really hard when we walk through these moments of discipline, you better believe that it is for your good. Now, as soon as I say the word discipline, there's all kinds of connotations that fill our heads because we all have different pasts and histories and parents and different home situations. So sometimes we say the word discipline and it's like, yeah, we start like, it just has, it has very bad negative connotation to it. But I want to I tell you this this morning that as we jump into talking about godly discipline and what I believe God has for you today, I want you to know this. God is for you. God is for you. He's not against you. He is for your growth. He is for your ability to move forward. He's for your freedom. He is for your healing. He is for you and not against you. And so as we talk about discipline, I want us to get in our spirits and in our hearts that when God brings discipline to your life and to my life, it's because he's for you. He has something good for you. He wants to help you to grow and mature. And even when it seems painful and even when it seems hard, we can receive it because of what's on the other side. Romans 8.31 says this, what shall we say about these wonderful things If God is for us, who could ever be against us? And I'm here to tell you that he is for you. So anybody, anything that the enemy would bring, anything that the enemy would try to do to tear you down, I want you to believe that God is fighting for you and he's working on your behalf. He has something really, really good for you. You know, it's, it's interesting as you study this passage and what Hebrews was telling us, because a lot of times we think about, you know, if God is for us, boy, he's just going to pour out blessing upon our lives. And that is, that is true because he does bless your life. Not always maybe in the ways that you expect it, but he always pours that out for you. For you. Why? Because he loves you and you're his child. But equally so, when he disciplines you, it's because he loves you. He disciplines you because he cares for you. Now, my prayer today, as we go through this next little bit, I know that there are people who are listening here in the room and online who have had negative experiences with discipline, where discipline has been abused in your life. I recognize that not all of us have perfect parents, I realize that sometimes that we have grown up under some very hurtful things, and therefore, when we talk about discipline, when we talk about training, there's a lot of PTSD and there's a lot of hurt that comes with that. My prayer for you today, and this is where we're actually going to end here when we close the message today in a little bit, is that there would be a healing that the Father has for you. 
that the, the, the hurt that you carry and the wounds that you carry from an earthly, broken, worldly perspective on discipline would be taken off, lifted off of you, where you would be able to see the Father as he truly is, as someone who loves you, and someone who has your best interest in mind, and who believes in you and is for you, and that there can be a healing that takes place in your heart. If, you, if you're here and you've experienced hurt, you've experienced pain, you've experienced the brokenness of this, I want you to listen really, really carefully today because I want to unwind some things that the world puts on this to show you what godly discipline is really like. But to get to that point, I want to start by talking about what God's discipline is not, is not. Because a lot of times we can get these misconceptions of what godly discipline is. And I want to I wanna get rid of these this morning so that we can actually understand what it is and move forward. The first of these is this, is God's discipline is not condemnation. God's discipline is not condemnation. If you've ever experienced condemnation in your life, I want you to hear me. That is a lie and an attack and a tactic of the enemy over your life. Jesus and the Father do not come to bring condemnation. They do not come to bring shame. He does not come to bring guilt on your life. If you are walking into this place today and you are walking under the burden of condemnation in your life, I want you to know that is not of God. Now, God does convict. And there are moments in life when we're going in a direction and the conviction of the Holy Spirit comes and there's a check in our spirit and there's something that God does to unsettle us in the path we're going on, but it is because he loves us and he wants us to get to a good place, but he is not coming just to condemn you, tell you you're a failure and you should have done it better. That is not the voice of God. So today, if you carry that, believe that that is not the voice of God. Romans 8.1 says this, therefore, there is now no condemnation in Christ. There's no condemnation in Christ. But, but, but I messed up, and boy, I, I just, I feel all this weight. Well, if the weight is conviction, it will actually propel you and move you forward into the direction that God has for your life to find healing and health and freedom. But if it's condemnation, it's weight that keeps you paralyzed where you're at and stuck in your mindset and stuck in your heart where you can't move forward because you're crippled by it. That's condemnation. Conviction draws you forward. Condemnation gets you stuck. God's discipline in your life is not condemnation. Another thing for you to know is that God's discipline is not his anger. God is not angry at you. He is not sitting up there going, why don't you get it right? And just laying down the hammer. It's not, that's not true. God has anger towards sin. And we know what happened with that. His son came, took all the sin on his back when he died on the cross. And all of God's wrath against sin was directed at his son. He does not have anger towards you. 
If you felt that, man, I've, I've just messed up so many times that now when God's coming into my life, he's just so angry and ticked at me, that also is a lie of the enemy. God is not angry at you. That was all taken care of at the cross. God loved the world so much that he gave his son. He loved the world. God's discipline also does not produce unhealthy fear. Now, there is a righteous fear of the Lord, and there's a reverence of the Lord, and that is right, and that is all throughout Scripture. But what I'm talking about is if we've experienced this thing that's caused us to actually be afraid of the Lord because of how we lived our life, that is the enemy keeping you bound in a lie. The discipline of the Lord is not coming to make you afraid of him. That's not the point. Why? because he wants to call you forward. Now, how could a God be angry with you and want you to be afraid of him if he wanted to move you forward in your life? Those two things don't go together. These are things that we a lot of times can get these misconceptions in our mind, our worldly perspective of what these things are. But We have to understand what God's discipline is not and then be able to identify what his discipline is so that we are able to receive it. So here is what God's discipline is. From this passage in Hebrews 12, the passage here, the the Greek word that's used is the Greek word paideia. And it literally means this. And I want you to think about when God comes into your life and does a work in your life, it means training. When the Lord disciplines you, he's training you. When the Lord comes into your life to bring a correction, it is an exhortation. It has the idea of teaching and instruction. And it also has the idea of warning. Meaning this, when God comes into your life to bring some discipline and some correction and some things in your life, it comes through the perspective of wanting to train you, to exhort you, to teach you, to instruct you, and to help you to move forward. There's a lot wrapped in this little Greek word, which is so, so cool. So when we talk then about the metaphor of the race that Paul lays out, or the writer of Hebrews, oops, um, I'm just joking. A lot of people think it's Paul, but we don't know for sure. It's a joke. It was a Bible college joke. Never mind. Yeah, I tried. I tried. When we think about the metaphor that Paul laid out in scripture, we understand this, that for God, When he comes to us, he's training us to run with endurance, and the way that he's training us to run with endurance is through discipline, training, exhortation, teaching, warning, correction, moving us forward in the ways that he has for us. Let me give you a few of these things here. From the text, we see this, that God's discipline is evidence of his love. When you see God's discipline and you see him working in your life, it's actually the evidence of his love for you, the evidence of what he thinks about you and how he cares about you. It's also confirmation of our sonship. It's confirmation. When he disciplines you, it's to tell you, listen, you are a legitimate son and daughter of the king. And because of that, the Lord is going to discipline, correct, train, teach, exhort your life because you're his. 
So a lot of times when we say, I was like, man, I messed up. Like God's got to come discipline me because I messed up. And man, he must be so angry. No, he's going, I, I love you so much. And because I love you so much, I want to help you and I want to train you and I want to teach you. Why? Because you're my son and my daughter. It's these, these shifts that we need to have in our life to be able to actually receive the discipline of the Lord. A couple of other things, though, that as I pray through and process through this, God's discipline is also ultimately to reveal himself to us. Whenever God comes in discipline in your life, he wants to reveal who he is to you. And not in a condemnational, just come down on you hammer. No, he says, listen, he's your father in heaven and he wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to show you who he is. He wants to remind you that even though the world and the devil and the enemy and everything tells you you're a failure, he wants to reveal himself to you to show you that that is not what he thinks about you. He wants to reveal himself to you. God's discipline ultimately is so that his glory can be shown through our lives. I don't know about you, but I really love the idea that God does a work in my life so that when people look at me, it's clear that that's not Jason, but that's the work of God in me. I don't want to just be really good at being me. Like that, that's not very exciting to me. I actually want to be someone who God looks at and says, there is a work taking place in their life and it's the work of the Holy Spirit inside of them. This is, this is the thing. And, and then what's so cool about that is God gets the glory. I can't tell you how many conversations I had, and I always go back to it. It was an amazing season of life when I worked at the pawn shop, and I always go back to this because when I was there, it was so easy to be in these moments where you're met with a very, very clear choice of what to do. And when you choose, every small decision you make will, will, will indicate and it will pave a way for God's glory to be shown in you. And the key is if we will be submitted to the journey, submitted to the process, submitted to what God wants to do in our life so that his glory can come and it can shine through us. Last week I was in worship and I, and I always prep messages three or four out just thinking through and processing and we were in worship and I was, I was praying through and thinking through discipline and, and, and thinking, okay, God, how do you actually want to convey this? How do you want to reveal this to people? And it, this phrase just, just came into my head, which was just so powerful, and I've been not able to get away with it, and it's this. In his discipline is the safest place to be. In his discipline in your life is actually the safest place you can be because it's in his discipline that we understand his love, his protection, his training, his sovereignty, all of these things that work inside of your life. In his discipline is the safest place to be. I know for me, I don't want to be outside of it because I know that I would mess up and I know that I wouldn't get it right and I'd fall on my face and I'd end up in a situation that is harmful to me. So you better believe I want to stay in a place where my heart is open to receive the discipline that he brings to train and to correct and guide and move me forward in a different direction. 
I want to be in that place because it's safe, because his love is there and his care and his guiding is there. So I can trust that he's actually moving me if I'm surrendered to the process and if I'm surrendered to the discipline that he brings in my life, that he's taking me in a good direction. Now, here's the thing about discipline, though. We have to be submitted to it. We have to be surrendered to the process of discipline in our lives. Because God isn't going to come and force something that our hearts are not ready to receive. When we are ready to receive discipline, he takes us on a journey of growing and becoming more mature in him. When we reject it, we go on our own path, and that's where we get ourselves in big trouble. We have to receive the discipline that the Lord has for us. When, uh, when I was a kid, I was definitely the product of um, the rod not being spared. <laughs> Um, so that was definitely a part of, a part of my home. Remember it very, very well. And, uh, my, my brother and sister were just so thankful that I was the firstborn, you know, so, cause parents experiment, you know, they're trying to figure out, you know, how to do this and everything. But I remember that, um, as, as, as powerful as that was, I remember something about, and, and, my parents are not perfect parents, but I do remember something that, that they, they wove into discipline in my life that I remember at a young age. And that was that every time we went into a moment of discipline, whether it was the rod or not, there were two elements that were always present whenever there was a discipline moment. And I, and I, wanna, I wanna speak these over to you, uh, to you today. If you're a parent, this might be something that you can take and you can process through with your kids but do think about it in context of how the Lord comes and moves in our life. Because there's two things. Anytime the Lord comes and brings discipline in our life, there's a correction and there's a training that's wrapped in love. Okay, you can put that up because that's the next one. There it is. Godly discipline includes correction and training that's wrapped in love. Now, us as earthly parents don't always get this right. But that's okay. We're on a journey, and God's refining us as well. Thank the Lord he's still at work. <laughs> he gives our kids grace. <laughs> but there's a correction and a training that's wrapped in love. Whenever God comes to bring discipline to your life, there is a part of it that he corrects, and there is a part of it that he trains. And those two things work together very harmoniously for what he wants to do. Now, I expressed, or I understood this when I was little. My brother and I, we shared a room, and, and as we were sharing this room, my brother was really young, and he was still in a crib, and, and there was the little crib guard thing that you know goes around, so when he lays down, you can't see him, right? And I was in a big boy bed because I was a big boy. Um, and so I was there. Well, Sunday afternoon naps were like religious in our house, um, and, and my dad would just, it was, you know, it was like clockwork every Sunday. And so, um, he would, he would make sure that we would go to sleep cause then he would go to sleep. Now being the, um, wonderful, amazing children that we were, we were always obedient, always wanted to just do exactly what he said and go to sleep because we're kids and we felt like it never. Um, <laughs> And, and there were moments when, you know, we, we maybe had a little bit of flesh in us and, and all of this. And there was one Sunday afternoon, this is just for fun because I was thinking through discipline in my life. Uh, uh, there was one afternoon where my brother, who is hilarious, he's so funny, 
he was laying there and, and he just, he stuck his hands up like this. And all I could see was his hands. And he started doing a puppet show. <laughs> My brother is hilarious. So I'm like sitting up, yeah, Montana knows him. Uh, he, my brother, uh, so, so I'm like sitting up in my bed, laughing hysterically, hysterically at this whole thing. And he's doing the, he's got, he's got like voices and everything. I mean, it was like, this is impressive. Well, um, I thought that maybe it had been long enough and dad had gone away to go to sleep. Um, but he wasn't, he was right outside our door. Um, and he heard all of the laughing and poked his head back in. And I'm telling you the honest truth. All my brother did was this. He was hands were up. He goes, I'm sitting up in bed, laughing my guts out. Guess who received discipline for that one? My brother still owes me in a big, big way. But even in that, there was correction and there was training. Correction and training. These two things. I want to look at two verses and look at these two Hebrew words because they are jam-packed with some incredible stuff. Proverbs 3.12 says this, For the Lord corrects those that he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. This is the passage that Hebrews actually pulls from uh, in this, in quotations, right? The Lord corrects. This Hebrew word, I want to just unpack this for a second, because as we think about the discipline of the Lord, and we think about how he's for us, he's for you, he's not against you, he wants to help you grow, and he wants to help you mature, and all of these kinds of things, and in his discipline is a correction, because there is something that we sometimes have to adjust and learn and get back on the right path, and then there's a training which moves us into a forward momentum. We have to have both of these. The correct, the word correct, this Hebrew word is really cool. It means to make clear, to make clear. In other words, when God comes to your life and corrects an area of your life, he wants to clearly show you how the path that you might be on will lead to destruction and how there's something in it that might be off and he has something better for you. So he'll illuminate something to your life. But this word is also part of correct. It's the word set. I want you to think about this for a second. I geeked out on this this week. It was so cool. If you think about when the Lord comes to correct you, what is he doing? He is coming to set you on firm ground. Whenever we go our own way, the ground gets a little shaky. Our footing is not as sure as it was before. And we're out managing and trying to do it all on our own. When we receive the discipline of the Lord, he comes and he sets us back where we're supposed to be. How many of you are thankful that God actually comes to set you on a firm foundation? We get ourselves in all kinds of trouble. And he says, listen, I'm going to correct something in your life. And the reason I'm going to correct something in your life is not because of condemnation, not because of anger, not because of shame, but because I have something better for you. So I'm going to correct. It might be painful. It it might mean wrestling with your flesh, because usually that's what happens. But I'm going to set you back on course. The other part of this meaning here 
And this was so cool. I couldn't even, when I read this, that it was in the, the definition, the Hebrew definition, is to set in the sunshine. I want you to think about this. Not only is God going to set you on firm ground, he's going to set you in the light. What happens when you are set in the light? Sin, lies of the enemy, attack of the enemy is exposed for what it really is, darkness. So the discipline of the Lord in this correction comes to set you, give you a firm foundation and say, hey, listen, maybe some of these things in your life that are going on right now, they're, they're, they're not of me, and they're actually going to set you up to go down a trajectory that is really dark. And he comes to shed light on those things. When God corrects you, he carefully sets you. He exposes the darkness with his light so that you can have a reset to move forward in what he has for you. Now, I actually think that's kind of cool when it comes to discipline. It might be painful. I might not like it. But I can trust because he's for me that he's setting me to move forward. Second word here, train. Out of Proverbs 22.6 says this, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. He will not depart from it. This, this word of train here, I absolutely love. Train means this. It's a dedication. It means, it means that when God comes to train you, he's dedicated to your growth. He doesn't just kind of set you on the path and is like, all right, well, I got you back on the path because you were off, so now you're on it again, so good luck. He says, no, I've set you back on the path, and now I'm dedicated to your growth. If you're a parent, to have this perspective with your kids is a game changer. To be able, and, and I'm not perfect at this, as I was studying through, trust me, there was lots of conviction going on as well. Try studying for a message on discipline. You'll get all kinds of fun discipline from the Lord. But as I was doing I was recognizing that even with my own kids, there are times when I have to correct, to reset, to set them back on the right course but I'm dedicated to their growth. I'm dedicated to where God has them going. And so I want to be committed to that. But then also, this is really cool. And again, I was geeking out a little bit. The idea behind this Hebrew word of train is to put something in the mouth, specifically something to be tasted. Well, that's, Interesting. How does that have to do with, what does that have to do with anything? I'm so glad you asked, I will tell you. When God trains us, he's dedicated to us and he does a work in us to give us a new appetite for the things of heaven. To put a desire in us for the things of God, not the things of the world. He actually comes to shift our desires if we let him, if we let him, if we let the discipline of the Lord come into our life, he will correct those areas where maybe we've been in darkness and our darkness of even just our minds and our thoughts and our emotions. Sometimes he comes to correct those and he says, now I'm going to train you in a better way that I have for you. 
And I'm going to put a taste in your mouth so that you desire the things of God. You desire the things above. And what happens is as this process, because it's not a one, one and done, as this process happens in life, what we end up happening is our appetite completely shifts from a fleshly appetite for the world to a godly appetite for the things of heaven. And every time he brings this cycle of correction and training, correction and training, correction and training, it more and more aligns us with his heart where no more than what's happening inside of our heart, what's happening inside of our mind is a desire for what he has for us. Not from what I think the world has that is good, but what he really has for me. When we talk about discipline, the discipline of the Lord, The Lord comes because he loves you to correct where areas in your life where maybe you've gone off and to train you into something better. Now, I go back to where I started at the beginning. This idea of how the Lord disciplines our life and what this actually looks like is not always something that we see in the world. It's not always even necessarily something that we've experienced in our own lives. In fact, maybe as I'm talking about this today, I'm opening it up, so you're like, yeah, that's a totally foreign concept. I've never even processed it that way. Or maybe I've never experienced it that way before. I go back to where I started. God is for you, not against you. He's to build you up, to give you a hope and a future. And he wants to come today. There are areas in all of our lives that he wants to correct, to set us on a firm foundation. And there's areas in our lives that he wants to train us and help us to move forward. How many of you are in for that? Like, like that sounds really good. If that's how God's going to do this, that he's going to come and he's going to correct and he's going to move us forward. Here, here's how I want, to, I want to end this. I want, to, I want to just pray today for a couple different things. One is, I want to pray that, that we would all be surrendered to the process of God's discipline in our life. That we would walk away from this place going, okay, all right, God, I will submit. If you have, good for me. And if you're coming to bring correction in my life and coming to move me forward into what you have, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to surrender to that process. Maybe some of you actually have some very visible, tangible ways that that is actually going to work itself out in your life right now. Yay. Maybe God needs to reveal some of those things to you. It's an ongoing process of receiving this. The other thing, though, that I want to pray for today, and this is what I said at the beginning, I want to pray today for anybody in this room who's maybe walked through situations where you have some wounds. You're in this place today, and you have wounds from childhood. You've got wounds from life. You've not lived in, a, in an experience of a healthy discipleship, of what, or a discipline, which is really discipleship, but discipline in your life. And so even talking about how God disciplines you, it has all of this connotation that you've carried this weight that's really actually torn you down. 
I want to pray today that there's a healing that comes to your life. If you are here today and you are carrying wounds, in just a minute when I pray, I want to believe that there is a healing and a breaking off of those things of your life. And that today you have a fresh revelation of God's love for you. Of the fact that he cares for you. Of the fact that you are precious to him. So why don't we do this? Why don't we all stand together this morning? And uh, I'm just, I'm going to pray, but, but here, here's, as we get ready to close service, um, like we do every service, there's going to be prayer teams that are down here. We also have the, the altars. And, uh, and if there's something specifically where you're like, you know what, I do have, whew, I'm recognizing I've got some wounds today. I've got some stuff that's happened in my life that makes it really hard for me to receive that God is good and has my best interest in mind and he actually is coming to move me forward. There's, I, 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 I just need either to come and find a place to lay it down or I want to be bold and I want to have somebody pray with me today. And I need some people to pray and believe with me that this thing is gone and that I can receive the goodness of the Lord into my life without the weights of those wounds that take place. I want to invite my prayer teams up right now, actually. You guys can just come up to the front. And I'm going to pray over everybody. And then when I dismiss, if that's you, I would highly encourage you before you leave today, come up, talk to the prayer team, receive prayer. They want to agree with you a breaking off of these, a healing of these wounds, and a freedom that would come uh, from what Christ wants to do in your life today. Now, before I pray, every service, I want to give people an opportunity today too. If you're here and you've, you don't even have a relationship with God, the first step, you're like, wow, this is fantastic. You're talking about all this godly discipline stuff. Like, that's fascinating. But I don't even know Jesus. I don't even know what he's done for me. I've never experienced what he's done for me. Well, I just want to tell you this, that God created you and he loves you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross to take your sin and your shame. And when he shed his blood, he paid the price for your sin. And the Bible says that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will be saved. Right. Today, I want to give you the opportunity to pray a prayer. There's nothing special about this prayer except that it's a confession of your heart that begins a relationship of following Jesus. And I want to give you the opportunity to do that. We're all going to pray this prayer together. But if you're here today and you're like, you know what? Yeah, Jason, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I haven't put my faith in him. He's not my savior, but I want him to be. I don't want to do this thing on my own. I don't want to just live my own life. I want him to be my Lord and my savior and my God. I want you to pray this with faith in your heart, which means you believe the words that you say here this morning. Let's bow our heads. Repeat this after me. Jesus, I come to you today. And I thank you that even when I was a sinner and far from you, you died for me. You shed your blood to pay the price for my sin. And today, I ask you to be the Lord of my life, to forgive me of my sins. I put my faith in you as my Savior and as my God. Thank you for your love, for your kindness, 
And today, I also receive your discipline, your work in my life for my good. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, I just want to come right now and pray over this incredible group of people. Lord, I pray, first of all, that you would help all of us to be surrendered this week to the process of discipline in our lives. Whatever that looks like, whatever things you want to put your finger on, Lord, I pray that you would just come today and help us to have soft hearts, surrendered hearts to you, to your work in our life. Not with any preconceived ideas or holding to anything, but Lord, just to be surrendered to your work, whatever you want to do in us. God, we say, have your way. And so, Father, I pray that as we all leave this week, that Lord, we would be open to your discipline, your training in our life today. And Father, I want to pray right now too, Lord, for anybody who walks into this place with wounds, from discipline, from parents, from coaches, from teachers, whatever it looks like, grandparents, aunts and uncles, that Lord, they've carried a weight that has actually gotten in the way of their ability to be able to receive the true love that you have for them. Lord, I ask today that right now in this moment, you would break that weight and you would take that weight from them right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I ask that you would bring healing to your people right now, to hearts that have been hurt, to minds that have been hurt. Holy Spirit, would you come and do a work in your people right now? Lord, I thank you that in this moment that you are moving and you're reminding your people of how much you love them. You're reminding your people that you are for them and not against them. You are not a God of condemnation. You are not a God of anger. You are not a God who causes there to be unhealthy fear in our life, but you are a God of compassion. You are a God of grace. You are a God of love. And so, Father, I ask that you would come to heal these wounds. And, Lord, even wounds that have lasted for a long time, that have festered, Lord, I ask that you would come as the great physician to clean the wounds, to clean out all the junk, to clean out all the baggage, to clean out all the scar tissue that's come from living this life under this misconception of, of what it is because of hurt and pain. And Lord, I ask that you would heal your people right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would pour out your grace and your strength to be upon your people. Lord, I thank you for the work that you've begun. And I thank you that you who began a good work will finish it to completion. And Lord, I know that healing is a process. It's not just a done in a moment. But Lord, I pray that today would be a catalyst moment. It would be a, a marker in some of our lives that today there was a healing process that began in our life. And I thank you for it, Lord. Bless this incredible group of people. In Jesus' name, amen.